FM. Now here's your hosts, Root and Y. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Woot NY Show. I am Josh Y. Thank you for joining me for this special Sydney Cup preview podcast. Special episode previewing the second ever Sydney Cup held in Sydney. Last year we had the inaugural Sydney Cup held at ANZ Stadium between Cal and Hawaii. With Cal being victorious over Hawaii, 51-31. Plenty of points on offer for the punters. And... It was an overall a very successful day. A lot of people left that stadium very pleased and happy with the outcome of the day. It was a very fun, energetic day with a lot of excitement. And it was an Aussie take on a college football game day. It's hard to replicate the the USA tailgating experience of a college football. And I implore anyone to, to give that a go because it's truly unique, unique and can't be replicated uh, he, or here or anywhere, really. It's just a, it's such a fun day and that's what college football is what makes college football so damn good and so damn exciting. Uh, this year, uh, having learnt from some of the mistakes last year, um, especially in relation to the beer situation, we're expecting a bigger and better event. This time at Allianz Stadium. It's held on Sunday, the 27th of August, and we have Stanford and Rice. Just a little bit about these two teams before I get into some of the details of the event, um, the pre-match and post-match tailgates, the food, um, a little bit of boxing talk, uh, and then I'll, I will speak to John Wilner, from the Mercury News about Stanford and Glenn Hill uh, from the Houston Chronicle about Rice to help preview the match itself, players to look out for, and what we can expect from these two teams in the game and for the season. Football Outsiders do a, a yearly almanac, and I recommend anyone who loves football, college football, to purchase it because it's just got a wealth of knowledge. But they project Stanford to finish 9-3 and three and ranks them ninth out of 130 qualifiers in, in college football. And they project Rice to finish 4-8 and eight and ranks them 118th out of 130 qualifiers. So there's a big difference between the two teams in terms of talent you know, and, and ability. But uh, we'll wait and see how that pans out. But Stanford are 31-point favorites. And the last time they played, Stanford destroyed Rice 41-17. to 17. Uh, Some details about the event. Uh, TEG and TLA Worldwide involved again, as I said, have learnt from a few of the little hiccups last year, especially with the beer. And they have the beer guarantee this year. So if Allianz Stadium runs out of out of beer in public public bars, fans will be refunded their price the, the price of their ticket, which is an which is an Australian first. So that's a huge guarantee. Now they also got hit with a little bit of unexpected scheduling issues, uh, well and truly after arranging all the all the key uh, factors for this event. But Mayweather McGregor came up in the last sort of six months. And you threw a spanner into the works in terms of scheduling, but they've managed to to really um, pick things up and turn it around and on the fly have, have worked out a, a way for Mayweather and McGregor to be played um, in the stadium. I'm not sure about the details of that, but if you are coming to the match, you'll be able to see Mayweather, McGregor. You will not be missing out. And if you haven't bought tickets, two for one. Come for the football, come for Mayweather, McGregor, and then come for some of this other stuff that the fan experience, they've gone above and beyond here. There's the crown bet million dollar arm. Two lucky fans will be given the opportunity at halftime to win $1 million. It's an Australian first and a spectacle not to be missed. So please check that out on crownbet.com.au. There's the all you can eat seat. It's a perfect ticket for foodies with American food favorites, including burgers, hot dogs, and pinatas. All to feast on live entertainment also be on offer to delight all of the ticket holders. So, you get a souvenir ticket with that and a lanyard. So please check that out if you haven't bought tickets or want to upgrade your ticket to the all-you-can-eat seat. There's also plenty of U.S.-themed food inside the stadium. Um, Allianz Stadium caters Delaware North Australia have created a menu of strong American flavors, including chili beef and pinatas, two-foot-long super hot dogs, Texas barbecue pulled pork and hot wings. There's also um, custom-made burgers from Guilty and donuts from Bistro Morgan. So... They've gone really above and beyond here, and we got to try some of the food at the Sydney Cup Combine, which was another huge success from from the promoters of this event. Um, we really enjoyed ourselves at that launch of the event, the hundred day out from the from the match. It was a really really fun day. Solomon Thomas was there, Ed McCaffrey, and the surprise MVP of the day uh, was the Consul General Valerie Fowler. Uh, she's a 
U.S. Consulate General based in Sydney, massive Stanford Cardinals fan. She's a graduate of Stanford University. Um, she'll be there on game day, so keep an eye out on her. Keep an eye out for her um, because she is very, very entertaining um, and massive, massive, just massive college football fan. I can't underestimate how excited she got about um, seeing uh, Solomon and, and Ed McCaffrey and, and talking uh, Cardinals football. It was, it was insane. So um, the burger's really, really good. They have a Stanford one and a Rice one. There's also some uh, pre- and post-match tailgates. There's a frat party. Um, you have to check that out. Um, that's the ultimate Sunday session. Um, you get a ticket with Budweiser's and, and merchandise and, and all sorts going on there. And then there's the Crown Bet tailgate. There's a post-game party. Uh, we went to the we went to the one last year um, out at ANZ Stadium. Um, it was really good. Uh, myself, Woot, Laurie Horish, a couple of the former uh, Hawaii punters. Uh, it was very, very fun um, to hang out there, and, and it was good. It was a good atmosphere. They'll be doing the same again. And then there's the, the Crown Bet ultimate experience which is pre and post match um so you'll be able to enjoy both the parties soak up the college football experience um yeah those in attendance will be able to watch both teams enter the arena via the bus while also enjoying an array of american food and beer there's a budweiser bar bistro morgan donuts and then as i said the stanford and rice themed burgers so they've gone above and beyond here tg and tla to provide as close to um, the college football game day experience in the States, but with an Aussie feel to it. As I said, you can't replicate just how good college football does it in the States. It's just uh, the pinnacle of fandom in sports. It's it's crazy. But that's the event as a whole. So come, American food, donuts, boxing, and then you get to watch Stanford and Rice. You want to know more about Stanford and Rice? Here are our back-to-back interviews previewing the game. John Wilner, Glenn A. Hill, from the Houston Chronicle and Mercury News. Enjoy those interviews now. Joining me on the line is John Wilner. You can follow him on Twitter at Wilner Hotline. He's been covering college sports for decades. He's an AP Top 25 football and basketball voter, as well as a Heisen Trophy voter. He was named Beat Writer of the Year in 2013 by the Football Writers Association of America. And for covering his for his coverage of the Pac-12, and he was also won first place for feature writing in 2016 by the Associated Press as well. And you can check out his work at themercurynews.com as well as the Pac-12 hotline where he covers all things Pac-12 football and basketball. Welcome to the Root and Why Show. Uh, John, it's great to have you on. Thanks a lot for having me. It's, uh, it's really exciting for, for us as football fans here uh, to have a team like Stanford uh, coming down under and gracing our shores. But before we get into the football side of things, how is the general feeling over there from players and coaching staff and the team um, when they learned that they were traveling halfway across the world to play a game of football? You know, they're very excited. Uh, I believe they're there already, and uh, I saw them uh, a couple days before they left, and everybody was uh, was excited for the, the game, excited to see Sydney, uh, just experience everything uh, surrounding the event. And I think part of that is because they had such good feedback from Cal after its uh, Cal's experience last year against Hawaii. The Bears came back and they had a great time, and they called it a trip of a lifetime. And they they loved the football and everything uh, about the whole week, and they loved Sydney. And so, you know, the the Stanford people, the athletic uh, officials, they talked to the Cal athletic officials and got great feedback and. And so that's all filtered down to the all the way to the players and the families. So everybody's very excited because it was such a good experience last year for Cal. Yeah, and being at the game and, and sort of, you know, in the media booths after the game and the press conferences, it was just, you know, even from Hawaii, who had just been sort of towed up, you know, double-digit lost, the overall feel from both teams that it was such a positive experience and that, you know, the game day itself from, from start to finish, will there early and... There was a sea of just unusual uh, football jerseys. Everyone thought they'd just wear whatever football jersey they owned, and um, it's an overall, it's a good day. So I'm hoping it's going to be uh, bigger and better this year. Uh, there's a lot of diehard football fans down here that know the significance of a team like Stanford, um, its history, and, and how big of a coach Coach Shaw is um, and, and how big of a deal that is. But for who, for those who don't, can you fill them in on, on Stanford football and, and Coach Shaw, who's, who's one of the best college football coaches in the country? Uh, for sure, yeah. Uh, they Stanford football, it's got an interesting history. You know, it has produced some of the greatest quarterbacks 
uh, of all time. Uh, but at the same time, until about 10 years ago, Stanford wasn't really known as a football powerhouse. But they they got good under Jim Harbaugh, and then he left, and David Shaw took over, and they have uh, kept it going. And so now they're one of the most successful for the last you know, seven, eight years. They've been one of the most successful teams uh, in, in America, and uh, they've generated a following that is uh, a little bit larger than just you know, their alumni group, uh, because, you know, Stanford is such a well-known university for its academics. Uh, and now when you combine that with a really good football team, they've, they've caught the interest of a lot of people here. Uh, and David Shaw, who went to Stanford and played football at Stanford, you know, has really understands uh, what is uh, unique about the university and what kind of players are going to do well on the field and off the field at Stanford. And I think he's been a really good, uh, you know, he's been a real good steward for the program. Yep. And you, you mentioned that, that those quarterbacks, uh, you know, Rich Histy, John Elway, and you know, I'm a Colts fan, so Andrew Luck, he's my guy. Uh, you know, where do these current quarterbacks rank, you know, on a scale of, say, Kevin Hogan to Andrew Luck? Um, the expectation uh, is Keller Christ will start the game? Uh, I believe that is the expectation. You know, he's only started uh, – he started six games last year, uh, the, the last six of the season, and he got hurt in the, the bowl game and had surgery on his knee and really couldn't do very much all the way through until – until August. Uh, but I think he's going to end up playing and, uh, he's got a lot of, a lot of talent. You know, he's a big kid. He's got a strong arm. Uh, but over the long haul, we'll see how good he is, you know, whether he's uh, another Kevin Hogan or, uh, maybe not quite that successful. We'll see. I mean, uh, to even compare him to Andrew Luck at this point is, is probably not real fair to anybody. Uh, but certainly Kevin Hogan was a very good college quarterback for Stanford. And, yep. and I think, you know, Chris could end up being that good. We just don't know yet because yep. there's not a big, not a big sample size. And the, the six games he played in last year, most of them were against bad teams. And uh, that includes Rice. You know, Stanford finished, finished its regular season against Rice and beat Rice pretty handily. Uh, and I'm not sure how much, uh, you know, resistance Rice is going to put up again uh in sydney yeah it, it seems to be a lot of unknown at quarterback on both sides after speaking with uh glenn hill of the of the houston chronicle uh, over the weekend uh they're, they're starting a redshirt freshman uh, at quarterback uh as well so uh, not as well but uh, so there's little sample size there uh from both sides at the quarterback position which will make it uh, a very interesting watch for uh for those uh, teams that have them on their schedule to see what what they have in store at that position uh for, for those that haven't been to a college football game, what's a Stanford game day experience like? You mean for a Stanford game at a home game at Stanford? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah, there, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly how many fans Stanford's going to have at that game. I, I would imagine it's a few thousand, you know, that's a pretty, they've got alums all over the Pacific Rim. So I'm sure there are folks coming from, from uh, Asia and they've got some fans probably in Australia, and they're bringing uh, fans or you know family and fans from the states. I'd imagine it'll be pretty pretty good uh, crowd there for them. But you know, typically they're they're uh, they don't have a huge following uh, here in the states uh, in terms of fans compared to some of the the other schools. Partly because it's a you know it's a fairly small school. They only have about uh, six seven thousand undergraduates. Um, and on a lot of schools, big public schools have 30, 40, 50,000 undergraduates. Um, but they're, you know, their game day experience, it's a, it's a, it's a gorgeous campus. And, uh, you know, the fans that do, that do show up, uh, you know, they get there and, and they, they have a good time before the games. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and hopefully that can be replicated down here with a mix of sort of, uh, of fans, just football fans as well. Uh, the Stanford band itself does love a good controversy. 
Do you think they'll have anything special in store for for us down here? Uh, yeah, probably. Probably. Uh, they usually try to poke fun at somebody or something. You know, I don't know that they would poke fun at uh, at Australia or Sydney. They may save it their uh, their humor for for rice. I don't know. I would imagine most of those kids are are probably eager to be in in Sydney and are going to have a really good time and yep. and. Uh, They'll 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 send their ire towards towards rice, so to speak. Sweet. Well, I'm hoping maybe they might burst out some uh, Australian classics for us or something like that to to get the crowd entertained. Uh, hopefully, maybe some Midnight Oil or some ACDC or something like that. Yeah, maybe could be, or they'll maybe uh, Men at Work. Oh yeah, know? there we go. That's some good stuff. Are you actually attending the game, John? No, I will not be there. Okay, unfortunately. Uh, all right, moving on to the yeah. the offense. Very, very unfortunately. Yeah. Have you ever Have you ever been to Australia? I have not. No, I have not. I, I hope to get there at some point, though, for okay. sure. All right. I know a lot of people that have been there. Everybody loves it. Yeah, it's it's a great place, and it's really good to to hear like, you know, people, especially teens like Cal, come back and talk about how good Sydney is because uh, most people talk about. You know, we have a f- bit of a rivalry here between Sydney and Melbourne, and everyone seems to think Melbourne's this this sporting capital, and they always fill stands and put on a good show. But it's always good to get Sydney a little bit of a boost from a sporting perspective. So this is what's what's helping us. We're getting some outside help, but we'll uh, we'll take it. Uh, all right, moving on to the offense. Obviously, uh, you've got to replace Christian McCaffrey. Uh, went top ten in the draft, been killing it. In the preseason so far, uh, you look to Bryce Love. What what can we expect from him replacing Christian McCaffrey? Well, he's a you know he's a player who can uh, turn uh, you know any play into a touchdown, whether it's uh, running the ball out of the backfield or, or catching a pass you know, out on the perimeter. He has a lot of speed and is very good at making making somebody uh, you know a tackler miss him. And then kind of getting out in the open field and 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 breaking loose for a touchdown, uh, a lot like McCaffrey in that regard. You know, I would imagine that Rice is going to make sure that they know where Bryce Love is all the time and and try to make a different Stanford player, you know, make the big plays. And that's going to be part of the challenge for Stanford this whole season is who without McCaffrey, who besides Bryce Love is going to be able to make the big plays. You know, they've got some some talent at tight end and receiver, but nobody has really proven it uh, consistently. So that's going to be a big challenge for them. Yeah, I was that was actually going to be my next question: is you know who can who can you expect or who do you project to to fill the fill the void and, and make a step up? Is is it Dalton Schultz or is it is it someone else? I mean, it could be Schultz. You know, he's certainly a talented guy, tight end. Stanford likes to use their tight ends a lot. You know, Trent Irwin is a very good receiver who hasn't, uh, you know, he hasn't had a ton of opportunities in the past, but I would imagine he's going to have a lot more opportunities this season. Uh, not only did they lose McCaffrey, but they also lost Michael Rector, who was a uh, receiver who made a few uh, downfield catches for them. So I would think Trent Irwin might be a candidate for that. Um, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who scored a few touchdowns last season, is also, uh, he's got a chance to, become an impact player so you know they've got some they've got some pieces of receiver it's just a matter of who's gonna who's gonna consistently make big plays for them and and that's kind of yet to be determined uh other than Bryce Love yep and it, it, it always it always starts up front uh, the Stanford offensive line you've produced some some uh high draft picks Andrews Pete comes to mind uh you've also had a, another uh I'll put him in quotations Aussie and David Yankee a few years ago uh who who up front um, is the guy to the guy to keep an eye on that uh, will make some plays and, and and make some lanes for Bryce Love? Well, Nate Herbig, who plays guard for them, is is uh, they call him the Big Island because he's gigantic. <laughs> he's probably 340 pounds. And you know Stanford likes to run a play called power, where you use a pulling guard. So the you know the left guard is going to end up going over to the right, you know, running over to the right side and looking for a linebacker to hit uh, over right tackle. They, they love that play, and uh, Herbig is, is built, for, uh, built for it perfectly. So I would imagine we'll see Stanford running that power play a lot, uh, and, and Herbig is certainly going to be instrumental in that. 
they've got some good pieces. You know, their their offensive line last year, at least for the first half of the year, didn't kind of play up to the standard that some of the ones in the past had. But I think that uh, you know they kind of came together a little bit at the end of last season, and, and they should be they should be better. And if if they're on their game, they should have have not much trouble with with Rice. Uh, so while on the offense, obviously, you've got that ready-made replacement in Bryce Love for Christian McCaffrey, but replacing Solomon Thomas, uh, one of the best defensive linemen in the school's history, and, and we've claimed him as an Australian, despite only living a few years here as a child, but we'll, we'll take it. Uh, who can you see filling the void and stepping up to be you know, the next, the next guy up in this, in this Cardinal defense? Well, they're certainly counting on a guy named Harrison Phillips, who plays basically nose tackle, so you know middle of the defensive line, and is a very good player. He's a little bit different than Thomas in terms of how he how he uh, handles the offense. Uh, he's not necessarily the uh, the athlete that Solomon Thomas was, um, but he he takes up a lot of space. He occupies blockers. He creates opportunities for other uh, defensive linemen and linebackers because a lot of times. You know, the, you have to have put two blockers on him, so that usually opens up a lane for somebody else. But Harrison Phillips is going to be the main guy. they got a, another uh, defensive end named Dylan Jackson, who they're pretty high on. But their defensive line is certainly going to be a big question. I think that, you know, replacing Solomon Thomas is going to be potentially more difficult for them than replacing Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, which is crazy when you think about it, but Solomon Thomas is just so versatile, he, and he was just... So athletic, it was unbelievable. His his combine numbers were just insane. Yeah, and you know it's just it's that's a tough position to fill. Defensive line is is you know other than quarterback, probably defensive line is the hardest position to find elite players. Yep. On the back end of this defense, though, uh, that looks to be the strength. Uh, the secondary gets three starters back, um, including Quinton Meeks and and Murphy. Uh, what? What can we expect out of this this Stanford secondary, and, and how do you rate them amongst you know you know the Pac-12 and some of the other you know secondaries in the country? Yeah, well, they should be one of the best in the Pac-12 for sure, maybe the best, and, and also one of the best in the country. Um, Quentin Meeks is very good. Uh, another cornerback, Elijah Holder, is very good. Uh, they got a safety named Justin Reed, who's very good. His brother Eric plays for the 49ers. Yep. Uh, I think that it's it's the best secondary Stanford's ever had. Wow, uh, that that's been a position that's that good. over the years they've had a hard time uh, finding real good corners, especially. Um, but the last couple recruiting years, you know, they've they've done a much better job, and and they, you know, that makes everybody else better, right? If you got a couple of cornerbacks who can play man-to-man coverage, uh, that frees up the safeties, it frees up the linebackers. Uh, to really uh, attack the quarterback. And I think that, you know, Rice, uh, I can't imagine that Rice is going to pose a whole lot of problems for Stanford's secondary. Um, and and if they don't, then it's going to be a long day for the Rice quarterback. Uh, you mentioned Quentin Meeks being you know, very, very good, and I've watched some, I've watched some tape of him. Um, if he did sort of exit at the end of this year, could you see him being, a, you know, a top 100, top 200 draft pick? Uh, yeah, oh, for sure. The top, yeah, top two or three rounds, absolutely. Maybe even Elijah Holder as well, and, yep. and Justin Reed too. Uh, you know, cornerbacks in the NFL, cornerbacks are one of the most valuable positions. And uh, if if you're good, you're going to go top half of the draft. And Meeks has got uh, a lot of physical talent, and he also has a really good understanding of the game. His, you know, his dad is a former NFL coach, Ron Meeks, defensive coordinator. And and Quentin really understands, uh, you know how how quarterbacks go about their business, how offenses are designed, and he he has great anticipation and great instincts for the ball. Uh, he's he's tremendous. He he could end up being the best cornerback Stanford's ever had. Yeah, from what I could see on, on it was only a sort of two games of draft breakdown tape, but. He, he just seemed to always have his body in the right spot. Um, he just always seemed to be positioned well. And I think the only time I saw him get beat was if he'd, he'd slipped over or, or something like that. Uh, it was highly unlikely that he was ever not locked, locking down on, on, on the receiver. Yeah, no doubt. He's, he's you know, the son of a coach. And yeah. so he understands the game and he's got the talent, to, the size and the speed to execute for sure. Yeah. Uh, in terms of Coach Shaw's approach to the season, obviously – 
you know, McCaffrey and Thomas gone. What what has he said to, to you guys and the media about his expectations for this season? Does he think that you guys, that you guys, Stanford can still be just as good, if not better this year than they were last year, despite losing McCaffrey and Thomas? Yeah, they, you know, they think they can compete for the conference title for sure. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, that their offensive line is, is, is experienced. And, and usually when Stanford has a good uh, experienced offensive line, the, then they end up competing for winning the conference title. Yep. They, because of how they play, they're a little bit more reliant because, you know, because they run the ball a lot. They're a little bit more reliant on their offensive line and some of the teams that, you know, don't huddle and throw a whole bunch of five, 10 yard passes um, that, 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 you know, that don't need their offensive line to kind of function with the efficiency that Stanford does. And um, usually when they have a veteran line, the, the victories follow and they got a lot of guys back this year. Uh, and it's just a matter of getting them all in the right places, uh, you know, in the right positions and, and, and executing, I, I would have to imagine that they're going to be better than they were at the beginning of last season because most of them, uh, you know, last year were not that experienced and they are now. So that's, that's the, I think that's the main reason for optimism that they have and also their, their secondary. But, you know, they're at the point where they feel like they could compete for a conference title every year and maybe even compete for the national championship. Uh, I can't remember a season in the last, eight or nine where they weren't uh, optimistic, super optimistic about their prospects. And, and this year is really not any different. Yep. Uh, how do you see the Pac-12 playing out? Uh, do, you, do you think they can win? How, how do you, how do you have it jotting down? You know, I, yeah, I do think they can win their, their division and maybe even the conference. They're going to have to get a couple of breaks. Uh, I think that certainly Washington and USC have the best combination of, you know, experience and talent uh, and Washington was was considerably better than Stanford last year. Uh, I think Stanford probably is going to close that gap some, uh, but can they close it all the way? I don't know. You know, the thing is, a season so often these seasons come down to like three or four plays, three or four plays decide two games, two three games, and that changes everything. And uh, I think Stanford and Washington are in Washington State too in the North are, are all close enough that. It's just going to be a few bounces here or a couple injuries. That's always an issue yep. um, to decide it. I would certainly pick Washington to, uh, to win it, but it wouldn't surprise me if Stanford won it. And in the in the South Division, you know, I, I USC is to me the prohibitive favorite. I would be very surprised if anybody else was able to to win the South. I think the North is a little bit more competitive. Uh, the South. USC could end up winning the South by two or three games, whereas I I don't know that I would see that happening necessarily in the North. Okay. And on the match itself, you know, how do you see it uh, playing out? Stanford are currently the 31-point favorites, and as you said, they had a comfortable 41-17 victory last season over Rice. So what's your uh, score prediction for us? Oh, score prediction? I, you know, probably... Uh, something similar to last year, I would think. I don't I don't really know what, what that, that much has changed you know, in terms of the difference between the two teams, I mean, both teams have lost some, some players and Stanford's lost some very good players, but uh, I don't know that Rice has somehow made up, you know, three touchdowns on Stanford. So I would imagine that both teams are going to be, there'll be some mistakes. It's the first game that typically happens. Um, but I would imagine, I, I would be awfully surprised if it's, if it's close in the fourth quarter. I mean, it may be close at halftime, but I can't believe it's going to be close in the fourth quarter. I would think Stanford will, you know, win something something like forty-five to twenty or something like that. As you were talking, I just jotted down forty-five twenty-one. I, I thought you'd you'd come up with that number, so I was pretty close. Um, so no, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so. you know, I mean, Rice is Rice is uh, you know, there's one hundred and thirty basically one hundred and thirty teams that play uh, major college football in the United States and. Rice is usually in the bottom ten or twenty. <laughs> yeah. They're not. They're not very good. They are not very good ever. And uh, <laughs> Stanford is in the top ten or twenty. So yep. uh, I could see that even by halftime, it might be uh, Australians may have a reason to uh, to uh, just start uh, just start drinking their beer. 
Well, that's that's what happened last year. Is we drank too much beer, and the stadium actually ran out of beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, you guys are living up to your reputation, then. Yeah, exactly. So uh, there's a guarantee this year that if uh, the stadium runs out of beer, that they'll refund tickets. So uh, that's just I'm sure that's going to go down very well and just encourage people to drink and drink and drink and drink and drink. So it's going to end well, <laughs> but um, I can't wait to see how that plays out. But you're right, you know that that. 130 qualifiers, I, I get the Football Outsiders Almanac, and their projections ranked Stanford 9th and, and Rice 118th, so quite a considerable difference between the two teams. But there's still some players, nonetheless, that fans can go out and watch, and, and you've mentioned them to me today. Uh, my last question for you, John, is um, on, on game day, if, if myself and my co-host who isn't present today, but if we want to speak to some players that will give the best interviews, that have a bit of fun and some personality and charisma, who, who do you think we should speak to from Stanford? Well, you know, Quentin Meeks, I think, has got uh, he's got some personality. Harrison Phillips as well, for sure. Um, uh, both those guys play defense. Uh, on offense, um, you know, David Bright, uh, offensive lineman, is a pretty candid guy. Yep. Um, but you're probably not, I, you know, I'm not sure. It kind of depends on how the game goes, right? I mean, if, yep. they, if they win the game handily, They'll be a little bit more, probably a little bit more uh, relaxed uh, to talk about it. But they're usually pretty good about not being, not saying anything that is, uh, you know, quote unquote, makes headlines. Yep. Um, but but those those guys are usually pretty insightful and and can be pretty, you know pretty honest about about it and maybe not give you a whole bunch of cliches. All right, sounds good because yeah, that's what we want to avoid. Just the. The coach speak and cliches, it gets a bit too much at times, so we want to try and mix it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, David Shaw David Shaw is usually pretty good about yeah. not uh, – he'll give you a little bit of coach speak, but he's he's usually pretty honest and, 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 and very thoughtful. Yeah. So you probably get, get some good reaction from him. Yeah, he's – you know, from what we've seen on him, of him on, on in ESPN and things during the draft coverages, we've always – Always loved what he's, he's what he's had to say. Very nuanced and very you know yeah very thoughtful. I think uh, it's the right way to put it. Uh, John, thank you very much for joining us and helping us preview uh, uh, the Sydney Football College Cup, the, the second edition. Uh, I really appreciate it. And as I said at the top of the show, you can check out all of John's work on the MercuryNews.com and the Pac-12 Hotline. So if you're a big Pac-12 fan, please check out all of John's work. As I said at the top of the show, he's one of the best in the business. Thanks, John. Thanks very much for having me. Hope everybody has fun down there. Yeah, we look forward to it, and we'll drink plenty of beer. Okay, sounds good. Joining me on the line is Glenn Hill. You can follow him on Twitter, at RiceCron and at Glenn underscore Hill. He's a reporter covering Rice for the Houston Chronicle and college football, and he's also a Steelers fan, according to his uh, Twitter profile. Welcome to the Root and Why Show, Glenn, and thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. So uh, you mean you uh, cover Rice... Athletics for the Houston Chronicle. For those Australians that don't know too much about Rice football and Rice University, just give us a brief introduction about Rice and and the football program that they have. Yeah, sure. So I mean, Rice is um, it's interesting that Rice is a is a small private school down here in uh, Houston, Texas. Um, really good school, really good academics. Uh, it's funny because uh, you know with a lot of schools, you look at a school uh, in a division like the SEC, you look at the Pac-12, where you had Cal playing in Australia last year. Um, it's funny that some of those teams, when it comes to recruiting, they might lose players in recruiting. Rice doesn't really lose players in recruiting because players aren't really coming for the football. They're coming for the academics. Um, so it, it's a, it's a school that has a lot of smart kids. Um, and it's, it's, I think they just had their freshman move in. Um, and I was looking at some of the numbers there. They have kids with really high scores in high school and, um, uh, they just have really smart kids. Um, as far as the football program goes, uh, the coach David Bailiff, he's heading into his 11th year. Uh, and uh, back in 2012 through 2014, 2011 to 2013, that, uh, that period of time, uh, the school really had their winningest, uh, sort of window of time, uh, really over the, in the last 50 years. Uh, so Bailiff is coming in and, uh, he's bought himself a lot of credit because of that success. They made their first bowl game in, I think, 50 years in 20, uh, 2013, yeah. Yep. Uh, and the only problem is since then, I guess the last two years, they've had pretty bad seasons. Um, so a lot of folks are sort of whispering about, you know, is, is Bayless on the hot seat or not? This is a big year for him. It's a big year for the team. And I think he recognized that. So coming in, they've got a, uh, they've made some tweaks on the offense. 
uh, on the defense. They've got an entirely new look defense. They're going from that 4-2-5 to a 3-4. Uh, they've got a defensive coordinator now who's got uh, plenty of college experience, but also some NFL experience. So uh, it, it, it seems like a big year for the Rice program, and they're adjusting accordingly. Uh, but still, that Stanford matchup will be a tough one. Yeah, um, I had a lot of notes on the, on that defense, and I'll, and I'll get to that uh, in a moment. But before we get into the into the football side of things, how was the general feeling from the players and the coaching staff? You know, about traveling halfway across the world to Australia to play football when it was first announced, and how's the feeling in camp over the last few weeks? You know, as the season and and the trip to Sydney drew closer. Well, they're really excited to go out to Australia. Some of these players haven't been outside of the country before. I know it was a big rush to try to get these guys' passports um, so they would be squared away to go. Yep. Uh, so, then, I mean, they seem excited. And like I said, the attitude is that uh, with a lot of players injured last year, with the lack of success the last two years, um, a lot of the younger players talk about how the older players are uh, taking more responsibility and sort of changing the energy around the locker room. There's much more camaraderie, much more chemistry. Um, so I think that these guys are excited. They're ready to hit someone other than each other. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I would say they're really excited to go to go and get after it. I, I'm excited myself just to see with all the changes that are uh, that have happened for this team, how they actually perform, going back to the whole injury, uh, the whole injury bug that really bit them last year pretty badly. Uh, I'm curious to see uh, with these guys coming back from those injuries, how will they look? Um, how will the team mesh? Um, because of those injuries, they had some younger guys who stepped up and made some plays last year. Um, so I'm curious to see how uh, how all that will sort of look on the football field uh, when the season starts. Uh, are you actually coming down for the game yourself? I'm not. I wish I was. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a shame. We could have gone out for a few few drinks, could have showed you around town. But, uh, yeah, next time. Next time, Rice come. <laughs> I wish. I used to play rugby in high school, so I'm well familiar with Australia, at least from that perspective. Oh, yeah, nice. That's awesome. Um, for those listening that aren't you know, too familiar with, with college football, what, what can people expect from a, you know, a, Rice, a typical Rice college football game day and, and a game experience? Well, uh, going back to the idea of what kind of school Rice is, um, they're not the type of school that's going to pack the stadium every Saturday. Um, I think that they have a sort of small loyal following here yep. um, and guys that are really passionate about the about Rice athletics. But, I mean, honestly, their baseball team is, is much more dominant than the football team. Um, so I, I think that the football team this year is sort of looking to get some of that uh, some of that energy from that fire back um, from two, three years ago. You've got a guy like Emmanuel Ellerby, um, who's the – pretty undisputed leader of this defense who uh, and he's a guy who remembers that success from a few years ago um, and they they tasted sort of winning a championship and and really firing up that fan base um, which is seems like it sort of faded away a little bit so I think that those guys want a taste of that again uh, last year in Sydney we, we were gifted with two sort of very charismatic coaches in in Nick Rolovich from Hawaii and Sonny Dykes what can what can we expect from from Coach Bailiff? Um, what what's a, what's he like? Uh, you know, pregame and and post games in terms of his overall manner and because people aren't too familiar with rice football here, whereas we get a little bit of Sunny Dykes and and Hawaii football here on ESPN on a late on a uh, Sunday other. Yeah, you're probably not going to see Coach Bailiff on ESPN. No, um, <laughs> I, I mean I, I like him. He's a um, he's a cool guy to me. Uh, I've been covering Rice for about, uh, I guess this is my first full season covering Rice. Um, so I couldn't necessarily tell you what he's, uh, how much he yelled on the sidelines or anything like that. Yep. Um, but from, from what, uh, from how I've gotten to know him, uh, from what he seems like, he seems like a pretty calm guy, uh, a pretty composed guy, but obviously it's, uh, it's football. So he might, uh, he might look a little different, uh, on Saturday when the game kicks off. Yep. Um, and it's, it's a relief as well, you know, like Google, a Google a head coach and uh, a college football head coach, and there's no, uh, there's no, su- there's no like uh, subheading on the Wikipedia that says controversy or scandal. So uh, that's always a relief. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, he's. I mean, he seems very well loved by a lot of uh, race folks here. So. Yep. Yeah, it's good, and I, I believe he he reached out to Sonny Dykes as well to get some advice on on the conditioning and adjusting to to the time difference and and the trip. 
Oh yeah. Um, in fact, I, I understand that when uh, when Sonny got there, I guess got to I guess it was A and Z Stadium last year. Yeah. Um, they had the field measured in meters. Um, so they sent actually today they sent an advance party of some some administrators from the school to go make sure that uh, everything from the food to some of the activities that they're doing. I think they're announcing a. Uh, uh, a student exchange program between uh, the University of Sydney and Rice. Um, so they, they went there to check on a lot of the I guess, logistics of the trip. And uh, he, uh, Coach Bayless talked to uh, Sonny Dyke to see, you know, what, what do the players need to be doing on the plane? Maybe how should you approach that night before the game, the week before the game? Um, and, and just trying to see what, uh, what are some of the things to avoid and then maybe uh, some things that they should do. Yeah, I, uh, last year was a really, really good event. It was very fun, but there was a few small errors uh, from from the Australian side of things. Uh, the stadium actually ran out of uh, beer because I don't think they estimated, they realized or projected how long the game actually went for. And then, yeah, we had the stadium in in, oh, wow. in yards as well. But this year, different different venue, and they've learnt from, from last year. So I'm expecting it to be a lot bigger and better. They've already got uh, all the American food sorted out as well. So that's going to be fun. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the defense and the turnaround, and, and over the over his decade at Rice, Coach Bayless already pulled, a, you know, a pair of turnarounds after some some bad season, uh, bad season, sorry. And you know, th- this is his third chance now to turn things around. Uh, the defense, as you said, they're changing schemes. They allowed over 500 yards per game last year, and their run defense yeah. was terrible. So Brian Stewart's the new defensive coordinator who's actually you know been in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys. What have you seen in terms of improvement from going from that 4-2-5 scheme to 3-4 just from just from practices or anything the coaches have said about the improvement they expect on defense? Oh, well, I mean, the defense was really good to me. When I'm in practice, uh, when I'm at practice, I see these guys flying around. Uh, even look at a guy like Ellerby, even when the second team is in, Ellerby is standing behind the coaches sort of, going through the motions just to, uh, I guess, make sure that he knows the exact nuances of where he should be. Obviously, you go from having two linebackers to having four, and that's going to change the, the flow um, of the center of that defense. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, Stewart brings a lot of uh, energy, the high-energy guy. Um, you know, Baylor says that co- uh, the players and even coaches are in his office, you know, day after day, and they love talking to him. They love hearing the stories. They love picking his brain about this new scheme. Uh, and, and the defense seems really pumped up. Uh, so, I mean, I'm really excited to see the defense get after it. I'm really excited to see how they fare against that Stanford offense. Bayless is, uh, I guess, I guess the prevailing view is that this is, uh, this is going to be a blowout. Yep. Um, Stanford's going to blow out Rice, but, um, I, I'm pretty excited to see how the defense actually fares. Um, because I don't think with Stanford, I think the quarterback situation, they've had a little inconsistency along the offensive line. I'm not so convinced. I mean, I might be proven wrong, but I'm not so convinced that it might be the shellacking that people are predicting uh, just because, like I said, the defense is coming in. They seem to have a chip on their shoulder um, in practice. They're playing fast. I see the secondary might be the strength of this defense with guys like B.J. Banks and, and uh, J.T. Ebay at the safety position. Um, so, I mean, they're flying around in practice. They look fast. Uh, and that they're playing aggressively, and they really have this attitude. You, you touched on the, the the defensive statistics from last year. They're really toward the bottom of the barrel uh, in a lot of categories, and yep. uh, they seem to sort of almost take that personally right now uh, and, and want to turn that around. Whether you can turn around giving up 500 yards a game against Stanford or not in the opening game is to be seen, but I think they most certainly will be playing better, and I think they'll be playing uh, – uh, I think it'll be a more aggressive defense than you saw last year. Yeah, uh, Emmanuel Ellerby is a name that um, you know when you type in Rice, that's that's one of the names that comes up, uh, or Rice football, sorry, uh, that's one of the names that that comes up quite a lot. And you've mentioned him a few times. Obviously, that four-two-five scheme, um, you know, it required him to do so much work. Uh, being in that three-four scheme is going to help him so much better. And he's obviously, you know, from a football viewing perspective, the, the one guy to watch on the Rice defense, but outside of Emmanuel Ellaby, is there other names that we should look at on, on game day from, from this defense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, really up front, I think the, they've got some uh, senior leadership. You've got a guy like Brian Womack, um, well, Preston Gordon up front. Uh, you've got Zach up there uh, in the middle, a 6'2", 300-pound guy. Um, 
I think from a schematic perspective, DJ Green, who will be playing next to LRB in the middle of that defense, will be interesting to watch. I think he's sort of a key to see how how that defense flows next to LRB. Yep. Um, but like I said, I think it's that secondary is where you have the guys who can be stars. Uh, uh, they just lost D'Angelo Ellis, who was going to be their starting corner for the year. But Justin Bickham steps up, and Bickham was a guy who started as a true freshman, and he was an all uh, all conference, I guess, all freshman conference distinction two years ago before he injured his ACL last year. Um, so he's a guy who was a starter as a freshman, and now he gets to come back into that starting role because of another guy's injury. Uh, and you know, in talking to him, he's a guy that seems like that year allowed him to get a lot smarter. Uh, and he seems a lot. Uh, he seems healthy, and he seems even faster and stronger than last year. Um, next to him, you've got a senior, or across from him rather, you've got a senior in VJ Banks, um, another big corner. Uh, who uh, you talk to LRB, you talk to some of the coaches, you talk to some of the defensive players, and uh, they say that he's going to surprise a lot of people this year with his play. Uh, he looks like he's locking down receivers in practice, and that's another guy who I'm excited to watch. Uh, eBay and Thomas at the safety position as well. Um, I, I think they've got some really good players on this defense. Um, I'm just, I'm just excited to see how they play against Stanford. You talk about that scheme, uh, the three, four, what it allows a guy like Stewart to do. Um, one thing that this defense has talked a lot about is forcing more turnovers from last year. And what a three, four allows you to do is it allows the defensive coordinator to be a lot more creative with how they try to bring pressure and the different looks that they're showing in offense. Um, yeah, but the only problem with that is that you lose a down lineman. Um, obviously, it's only three linemen up front. Yep. Uh, and Stanford is a, a team that is really, really good at, at running the ball and really good at pounding it down the defensive throat. Uh, so that, that'll be interesting to see uh, how that matchup works, this scheme versus theirs. Uh, but you do have some good players. Like I said, you've got a Gordon up front. You've got an LRB in that linebacking core, eBay and BJ Banks in that secondary. So. Yeah, just just eleven takeaways last year. So I know they they've prioritized getting more and more takeaways, and hopefully, you know, alleviating, you know, some pressure up front will help that secondary, you know, in the back to to pick off a few more passes. Uh, we'll move over to the offensive side of the ball, and, and just a few days ago, Rice announced that uh, redshirt freshman quarterback Sam Glaceman will be their starter. What can you tell us about Sam and and the quarterback battle throughout camp? Well, it was a really competitive quarterback battle. Uh, you had Jackson Tyner, who I personally thought would have come out on top. He had the most, he had the most experience out of the three quarterbacks. Uh, he's a bigger guy, but he'll, uh, he'll be backing up Glazeman and uh, coaches. He'll get some reps in that game. Um, I don't know how many, I don't know when he'll get in or what that will look like. Um, but obviously Glazeman will be running the show and Glazeman is more mobile. Uh, and that's what, that's why coaches say he really came out on top. He's, He's good at passing the ball, uh, but in practice, I mean, he's kind of been throwing some balls high. So I'm curious to see how he fares against a Stanford defense, particularly a secondary that's got some really good guys. Um, lucky for him, he has a really strong offensive line up front. Um, so I, I think that this, the plan will be to try to establish the run game early and try to take some of that pressure off of him. Uh, you're looking at a guy who's a redshirt freshman. So, I mean, his last game was against a high school team. Yeah. Uh, I guess his last competitive game was against a high school team. And even though he was probably the best-looking quarterback in uh, Rice's spring game uh, several months ago, uh, obviously the number a top-15 team is uh, it's a little bit of a different story. Um, so, yeah, he'll certainly be one to watch. He has, he has a good support team around him. He has some, some nice weapons around him. Um, so I, I'm curious to see how much coach actually, how much pressure coach actually puts on him uh, in light of that inexperience. Yeah, uh, I from from the articles I read, the, the word that I got, the takeaway I got from them is that they're projecting big upside, and that was the reason that they they chose uh, Glaceman and and the stability up front. Five five starters back on O line um, is always pretty rare uh, for college, so hopefully that'll help him and and we can see some of his upside. You mentioned. Weapons. Um, who are some players on offense we need to watch out for? I know Samuel Stewart, uh, when healthy, is a is a very exciting uh, running back. Um, tell us a little about him and and some of the other weapons that we'll uh, we'll see catching some passes or, or running the rock uh, for Rice on offense. 
Yeah, for sure. Stewart is a really good back, and before the injury last year, he was a guy that uh, that was giving them good production. Uh, but even still, I you know they they have several weapons uh, going from Stewart, uh, who's a junior, all the way down to a true freshman, Cam Montgomery, who uh, uh, even just today Bailiff said that he's going to get some some snaps. He's a guy that runs a ten three hundred yard dash, so he's got some blazing speed, and uh, you've got a lot of guys like Montgomery. Uh, so you look at a guy like Austin Walter, uh, who's technically a running back, but he's a guy that really moves all over the field. Um, and he's certainly one to look out for number two. Um, it's really like Stewart, a dynamic athlete. He can catch the ball, um, but he can also run it. Um, they've got a couple options really in that backfield. And then you look at the receiving core. It's a relatively young receiving core, uh, but you have guys that show flashes of, really showing some talent last year with the Lance Wright, who was actually injured as well last year. Uh, so they get him back. A guy like Aaron Cephas, who's sick this week, but he should be ready to go for that game. Uh, 6'4", 205-pound receiver. He's a guy that uh, that folks in the conference think uh, might be a force this year. Um, Parker Smith. you got Aston Walter, who's Austin's uh, brother, um, also in that receiving core. Uh, Cameron Johnson. Uh, and then, then probably headline in that group might be Kalen Granson, who was supposed to redshirt last year, uh, but because of all those aforementioned injuries, he was forced into uh, he was forced into uh, some game time, and he actually wound up their top, uh, I guess their most productive receiver last year. So uh, they've got some guys who uh, have shown flashes, and going back to that word upside, I think that's the perfect word for this offense as a whole, honestly. Uh, you've got some guys that have shown flashes, but it'll be interesting to see how they, if they can last the season and uh, how they fare uh, now that they're healthy. Yep. Uh, on the match itself, uh, how do you see it playing out? Stanford are currently 31-point favorites, and they had a comfortable 41-17 to victory last season. But as as we've said, that the Rice team is, is going to be much better this year. They've, they've made the changes. They've, they've made some coaching acquisitions and, and quarterback changes that should help them. Um, and last year, Hawaii kind of uh, surprised Cal a little bit early with some tricks up their sleeve and, and made it competitive at least for at least for the first half before Cal pulled away. But how do you see this match playing out? And have you got a score prediction for us? Oh, that's hard. Um, <laughs> uh, so I mean, what between Cal and Hawaii? I mean, they put up over eighty points last year. Yeah, I don't see no I don't defense. see it being that high scoring the game. <laughs> um, I, I mean that. I, it's hard to it's hard to give a prediction because it, it's to be determined how much these changes or what these changes will actually look like, yep. how much of an impact these changes will actually have. Uh, so I'm 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 optimistic. So I I'd like to say that um, oh maybe <laughs> seventeen to somewhere in the forties, um, somewhere in the thirties maybe. Yep. Uh, that that's that's a hard prediction to make. Um, yeah, that's, that's a tough one to make. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard as well. Uh, when I spoke to the Hawaii guy last year, he was he was trying hard to to be optimistic about it, but it is tough when you're playing a team <laughs> that's ranked in the top fifteen and and you know you you are thirty one point underdogs. So it's always very tough proje- to project. And you know, with all these changes, it might be better for Rice in the long run, but it, early on, it might it might just be a struggle before, for them to gel and, and get things right. Well, yeah, it might be a struggle, or again, it might be a surprise. Yeah, exactly. I think you. Uh, so, I mean, I, I could very much see it going that way as well, or at least Rice keeping it competitive, maybe for a quarter or two. Yeah. Um, just, just in light of some of the changes that Stanford's had, some inconsistencies that they had on offense, um, they've got some changes on that in that front seven as well. It, it all really hinges on Blazeman, like I said, and that 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 is really the, the matchup I'm looking for is how oh, he, how God. much they lean on him and how he fares against that secondary. Um, but, I mean, Bayless is sort of looking at this game with an eye towards the next one, um, not not necessarily mailing it in, but he sees it as a huge test against a really good team. He, he doesn't seem too committal on, uh, you know, saying, hey, you know, we're going to come into this game and we're going to compete and, and we're going to get ahead of them. He's just sort of approaching it as though – It'll be an experiment of sorts. Yep. We'll see, you, know, you look at all these new schematic changes. You look at some of the younger players and some of the healthy players coming back. It, it looks like he's going to be 
seeing how they fare against one of the best teams in the country as sort of an exercise to find whatever hole the team has heading into what is probably a little more important of a game for them uh, with a conference foe back here in Texas two weeks after that. Um, so it, it looks like a big test for them. Um, so they'll be, they'll be there competing hard um, with an eye towards uh, seeing how this might sort of set the tone for some of the things that they do well and some of the things that they might need to improve on. Uh, I'm talking with Glenn Hill of the Houston Chronicle. A couple of quick questions before we let you go, and thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, we want some some names of players that will give us the best interviews, you know, players that are probably the most fun and have have a lot of personality. Uh, give us one or two guys that uh, we should try and speak to when uh, when we get the chance uh, on game day or, or post-match. <laughs> um, well, I mean, these guys, these are, these are all future engineers and attorneys and things like that. So these are, uh, <laughs> no, no Michael Bennett's in the room. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to get too many, uh, crazy or, uh, crazy quotes or anything like that, but Ellerby is always a great guy to talk to and he's someone they've sort of been made the face of the program in the last year. Uh, Trey Martin, the center, is a, is a funny guy. Uh, I've heard Cam Montgomery. I haven't got a chance to talk to him as much as I'd like, but Cam Montgomery is a guy who I've heard is a, a chatterbox, and he's a funny, pretty talkative guy. Okay. Um, so I, I'd look at those guys. Yep. Uh, and my Maybe, other... oh, well, I guess throw in a Preston Gordon. He's pretty vocal on Twitter. Who is it? Sorry? Preston Gordon on Preston the defensive Gordon. line. All right, I'll, uh, I'll jot his name down as well. Uh, and uh, another question for you. Uh, the game's on the same time as uh, Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. How are you going to balance? Oh man, <laughs> I might, I might, I might try to. Um, I don't know. I might try to have uh, someone bring over a TV so I, we can plug both of them up, yep. and uh, I'll, I'll be watching the <laughs> watching the Warriors game, obviously. But yep. uh, uh, maybe, maybe if we can pause that uh, that fight, try to catch it on the commercial breaks or something. Yeah, that might be the way to go. They're actually putting it on. Uh at the stadium for people that were worried that they were going to miss out because this had been planned well and truly before uh, the McGregor and, and Mayweather fight had a date. So it's very well done by the organisers. I just hope it's not on the big screen and may distract a few players, but we'll wait and see how that pans out. And my last question for you, I didn't actually have it jotted down, but you mentioned that you played rugby. So what, what position did you play? Uh, I used to play scrum half. Uh, I'm like 5'8", so I was a short guy. Yeah. Um, so I used to play scrum half, and I was pretty fast, so they moved me out to the wing. Um, a little later, uh, we toured in like Spain and France and stuff like oh, that. Wow. Wish we had gone to Australia, but um, yeah, 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 it was a good time though. Yep. Do you, do you watch much rugby union now or like because we Australia right now tonight we played New Zealand for the Bledisloe Cup, which is one of the biggest matches of the year. I wish I did. I wish I could. Uh, I used to a lot more back when I played, but since I've been, uh, I guess Americans aren't aren't as passionate about rugby as I am, so I had to spend a lot of my time watching football and basketball things like that yeah fair enough uh glenn thank you very much for joining us and uh, i really appreciate it and i hope uh for your sake that rice uh can uh, can cover that 31 point spread and, and make things uh make things very interesting early on in this game and i'm i'm looking forward to to watching them play uh on august 27th here in uh Allianz stadium yeah for sure thanks for having me i think it'll be an interesting game either way and uh hope you enjoy the game big thanks to john wilmer um, you can follow him on Twitter at Wilner Hotline and Glenn Hill. You can follow him on Twitter at Rice Cron. And uh, they did a brilliant job uh, talking about their two respective teams and giving us a, a good look at what players and, and what we can expect in terms of highlights and lowlights, strengths and weaknesses of, of both these two teams on game day. Uh, I'll give you my final thoughts about the game. I do think Stanford will cover the spread, um, replacing Christian McCaffrey with Bryce Love's uh, Always very, very handy, and I just think they've, they're they just too strong. And their secondary, as John said, is, is is really, really, really strong. And it's going to be tough for Sam Gleesman, uh, the, the, the Rice quarterback, whose last game was a high school game. Now he's playing Stanford in Sydney for his first college start. That's, that's crazy. It's going to be hard. I think they'll produce some turnovers. And I think they'll uh, run away. But I think Rice will keep things interesting a little bit early on. But I do think they'll end up covering it. And uh, we could see a bit of a blowout. But plenty of points is always fun for, for spectators. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, that wraps up our, our preview. So I hope you really enjoyed it. We look forward to the game. Hopefully we see you out there. If you do see us, give us a wave, say hello. And uh, if you see Valerie Fowler, 
as well. You won't miss her, but uh, give her a wave. Um, she's she's just a, a ball of energy and, and a, a huge Stanford fan. And a big thanks to, to the promoters for putting this on. It's always great when you can wake up and, you know, just ca- hop on a train or hop on an Uber and, and get to watch a meaningful college football game in Sydney in your hometown. It's it's always, always fun. Um, doesn't matter who the two teams are. It's it's just a great experience. So big thanks to everyone involved, and we look forward to it. And uh, we'll try we'll try and get some Vegemite uh, questions into the coaches in the, in the post-match press conference again this year. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at WootenWire. You can follow me at JYNFL, and you can follow Woot at ThisIsWoot, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Audio Boom, and we look forward to covering the NFL in the lead-up to the season. Thanks, guys.